you know, when the pandemic hit, all the quote gurus out there were like, look, see, you should be working from home. We're making money online. You should be doing it too. an online business. This is the perfect time to get one started and get going. But is this really the best time to start a business? And if you were going to start a business right now, what would you need to do differently to ensure that you have success? And is an online business the best one to start? Or could you do a regular brick and mortar business as well, right? I often tell my friends like, yeah, the people who have online businesses look like geniuses right now because of the nature of the pandemic, but it could have just as easily been something that took out the entire internet. And then all the people with online businesses would not have looked so smart, right? Because they had no backup plan. So we have to look at the reality of these situations and be prepared for both. And my guest today, Maceo Jordan, is a serial entrepreneur with two decades of experience building businesses by creating great products and great marketing. His experience spans a wildly eclectic mix of practical, real-world experiences from the U.S. Army to the cutthroat world of electronic trading. He was an early pioneer in computerized training. Uh, Maceo actually built one of the earliest high-frequency trading systems for the S&P 500, and that was when pay-per-click marketing platforms kind of burst on the scene, and he translated his work from that into massively successful automated systems for Google and later Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Uh, Maceo's expertise fits a wide range of business experiences. And we talked about quite a few different things on this episode, but mainly about what would we would you do if you were starting a business right now? What would you do differently? How would you adjust moving forward? And what, what does he see as the trends coming out of what we're seeing with everything going on in the world? It was a great interview. Maceo is a super down-to-earth Great guy and super smart uh, when it comes to business. So grab a cool drink, set back, enjoy this episode of What's the Secret Podcast. Tired of being at the mercy of your job? Tired of watching your hard work fill someone else's bank account? Want control of your time and lifestyle? Well, if you want the real secrets, the gurus won't tell you of how ordinary people just like you and me, can create thriving businesses that deliver financial and lifestyle freedom, you're in the right place. Aloha, my name's Tom Gaddis, and welcome to What's the Secret Podcast. Aloha, Maceo. Welcome to What's the Secret Podcast, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, Tom. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. It's interesting you know, uh, how you ended up on the show because someone reached out to me and they're like, Hey, this would be a great guest to have on what's the secret. And I took a look at some of the things you've been doing online. I took a look at your bio and I was like, man, this guy is going to be awesome to have on the show. So I'm excited to have you here. Maybe you can give listeners a little background on, on where you've been, what you've done and, and, and why we're here on this interview. I got to tell you, I I've been looking forward to this because what's the secret probably defines who I am and and how I've gotten here. Um, and so it, I, I haven't told the story, I don't think in public much. So when I was, I'll call it six or seven years old, um, you know, we had moved to Arizona, we're, you know, dead broke. In fact, we had lived on an Indian reservation in New Mexico. My mom was knitting quilts just so we had food, right? Because there just wasn't anything available. 
um, you know, as far as real assistance. And I remember we were at, we were staying with friends and, you know, kind of doing that whole thing. And I was watching a PBS show and they had a hypnotist who had put someone in a trance riding a little stationary bicycle, touched her, took a, a spoon out of an ice, uh, ice water, touched her hand and said, I just touched your hand with a hot poker. And I watched as a, a blister came up on her hand. And so as a little kid, I was like, whoa, I can't trust my mind. Like it was one of these, I've had these experiences through my life where I've known, like I'm gonna remember this for the rest of my life. Some of them actually go back even earlier. My mom, uh, she recently passed, but she, she told me like, I've got memories from two and a half years old, which is really strange uh, and vivid like details. But so because of that um, and then other similar experiences, what I figured out from a young age was there's always a story behind what's being told in public. Um, and so I've taken that with me everywhere I go and it has never failed me. Um, you know, sometimes it's done diabolically, right? So it's like deliberate, people don't wanna let you know for competitive reasons. I mean, it's never like in the movies where you've got Dr. Doom, right? There's always, I'll call it a, a, a semi-legitimate reason for it, but there's always something there. Um, so as, as a result, even though I'm like a superhero freak, Grew up on Marvel Comics, actually got paid in comics when I was a kid because I loved them so much uh, for work. There, there are no supermen. Like there are no superheroes. There are no mutants. There are no people that have, you know, this unique genetic code that makes them so different from everyone else that like you can't attain it. Now, outside of, you know, maybe some physical limitations, although Spud Webb uh, in the NBA, I'm sure, if, you know, people who don't know who that is, if you Google him, he's like, you know, this basically this short dude that was able to compete in the NBA outside of rare things like that, where there's maybe some phys little physical things. Um, like if you're six, nine, you're not going to fly jets for the U.S. Navy. You're just too tall. You can do anything that you see somebody else doing. So that's a very long winded intro for how I got here. That was maybe a little bit out of left field. <laughs> no, I think that's great. I mean, I I'm kind of the opposite of you. Like I have very few memories of a young age, right? Um, but I, when I was younger, I got really interested in magic. I was actually a professional magician for a while. And so like prestidigitation or, yep, or like, like sleight okay, of hand, gotcha. all that kind of okay. stuff. And so, you know, getting into that, like it, it kind of gave me that same sort of experience of like, oh, there's right, always dude. something sort of behind the scenes right. that people don't see. Right. And I knew from that experience too, that, you know, the reason I got good at that stuff was practice. Right. I mean, that was what you just did it. You did it over and over and over. And and even when you practice as much as, as you could, you still when you did it for someone live, something always went wrong. It always goes yeah. wrong. And then you have to figure out like you just keep doing it and keep doing it till you get yep. better and better. Right. Well, so I'll, I'll jump off from there. Um, there's a, an author. His name is uh, Nassib Nicholas Taleb. Uh, he wrote a book called Black Swan, got got famous because he wrote it, you know, around the time when the, the markets were really volatile and people were losing all kinds of money. Um, so he's got a recent book. He calls it, he, it's called, I think, Skin in the Game. I love that. Book. And yeah, so I, I spent, I, I was a hedge fund trader, I traded options. So um, when he talks about practitioners and having skin in the game and that being a vital part um, of everything, he is spot on. I mean, you can see somebody, you know, trading $300 million on a simulated account, go to trading $10,000 and completely lose their mind. 
Um, you know, this, this applies. I was in the U.S. military, had the honor of uh, uh, completing the Special Forces Selection Program. I didn't get selected, uh, which is probably a whole other show for why, uh, and a little bit comical. But anyway, I, you know, I've, I've had some unique experiences um, that have shown me the reality of skin of the game, right? So there's a, a, a narrative that's going on right now that I'm really concerned about for entrepreneurs. And it has to do, it's wrapped up in equity and equality and lots of buzzwords are flying around. But I think what we're missing is that if you go from a totally sheltered, cloistered environment, you know, where everybody is concerned about, you know, how you might, you know, mistake the smallest comment or the smallest trigger experience. And then you go into a world that doesn't give a rip about that. I mean, let's face it, the broader world could care less about that. You're, you're going to be, you're going to be less equipped. We'll, we'll say it that way. Um, and so the, my fear for the entrepreneurs coming up is they don't appreciate um, how skin in the game can change things. And it doesn't have to be really complicated, um, but it could just be selling your product like to another human being, not through the internet, not through email and Facebook ads, but literally walking up to somebody and trying to sell them this thing that you have. Because you're, you're going to have this visceral experience, I guarantee you, just like you're, you know, I can imagine your first uh, you know, experience of trying to do some sleight of hand, and you're like dropping all the crap, right? We've all been there. Um, but as entrepreneurs, the difference is, the difference is to enunciate that clearer, you've got skin in the game, man. I mean, you could be basically rolling your financial dice where you've got everything on the line. And so my, uh, you know, I think we can kind of jump off from there for the rest of the conversation, but it's with that in mind, that I approach everything I do with other entrepreneurs. I, I try and get them to think of things, not only you know from the skin in the game perspective, I don't know why I'm plugging Tilev's book so much. I guess I really like it. Um, and by the way, I don't make any, I make no money if he sells more books. Um, but also there's, we, we lose a certain amount of our brain power when we get into a situation with skin in the game. So I think it helps when a, a practitioner like yourself and like myself can share stories where it's like, hey, dude, it's it's okay. If you walked into a sales call and you forgot everything about your product, you realize, you know, you left your presentation at home. That's that's exactly how it should go. Um, your job as the entrepreneur is to take that experience, understand that the level playing field that we're all on is this idea of skin in the game. And that as humans, we're affected by that basically in the same way. We, we lose our brains. And then Understand, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. There's no mutant out there that, you know, isn't affected by that. Yeah, I think that's such a great point. And I, you know, I think personally, a really great example of that is like sports. And it's, it always amazes me how on, entrepreneurs and other people seem to think like the things that work in one area somehow don't apply to another, right? Like there's a reason why football players have game simulation practices. There's a reason yep. why the scrimmages matter. There's a reason why a guy that's played in, you know, 200 or more games, like there's a reason why Tom Brady is as good as he is, right? But it's because he's got that game experience. He's got that, mm -hmm. like he's pretty much seen everything in the heat of battle. And so when something comes his way, it doesn't phase him as much, but the only way to get that is to actually play the game, right? You can't, there's no shortcut to that. I don't think. Yeah, there's a movie called The Replacements. Keanu Reeves stars in it. Uh, you know, the NFL goes on strike. And so all these, you know, other players come in, you know, so the, the movie follows this, this team of misfits. And one scene, Gene Hackman is the coach. And you can see it on YouTube. 
um, and, and he asks, what's everybody afraid of? You know, and of course there's a humorous spiders, you know, it, centipedes or whatever. Uh, you know, and then they start getting real, right? So one of the guys uh, actually was released from prison. So he's like going back to prison. And so what, what that scene uh, really exemplifies is that we share experiences as humans and we can count on that uh, for information and to inform us, right? Um, but so Keanu Reeves actually, the whole point of that story is Keanu says quicksand. And, you know, of course, Gene, the coach, knows exactly what he's talking about. And so Keanu says, as the quarterback, he's afraid of making a mistake and then another one and then another one and then another one. And then you realize there's no more time left on the clock. Now, we do have clocks as humans, right? We don't know how long we're going to live, but we have actuarial tables. You know, we kind of know, you know, 83, 84 years, you know, at the max if you're a guy. Um, but for the most part, like, there's no clock. We're not, as entrepreneurs, playing against a clock. And that, the reason why I consider that a secret is that the internet has given us access to information that we just never would have had before. When I was a kid growing up, you had the newspaper, you had magazines, newspapers were daily, magazines were, you know, monthly at best, but then you, you could figure out pretty quickly that they're like six months behind, really, because they were, you know, written six months ago and then produced. Then you had like daily news, right? That was it. And so your perspective was different today where you can go onto YouTube, Instagram or whatever and see these people that to our mind are successful really quickly. We put up this artificial clock. Uh, so working with uh, uh, a woman, she's, she's got a, a product, it's a startup and she's, she's talking to me, but she's using words that imply this clock. Uh, you know, basically it's this, how fast can I, or how quickly can we, or those kinds of words where, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we wouldn't have thought about it. And so another secret really is that the people, generally the people that you see who've built businesses, and I don't mean <clears throat> influencers and, you know, somebody that just got popular on Instagram, because that's a, that's a totally different animal. And I can touch on that. Um, but a business is very rarely the result of what I'll call true lightning in a bottle. Um, now you do get some exceptions, right? So we'll look at a Facebook and we'll see, well, man, you know, that's, that's my model, right? That's how, that's how fast I want to build my business. And somehow we've convinced the entrepreneur convinces themselves. I've got the next Facebook, which first of all, yeah, dude, no, you don't. I mean, you just don't, but even if you did right, that what we miss is that Facebook, just like Apple, just like Microsoft, just like Cisco, these really big companies we look at, we're truly in the right place at the right time. Uh, now, Taleb's got a, a, a lot of work on this translating probability into real terms. But so I'll try and break it down this way. When we think about our future success, that's probability, right? What are the odds of my success? You know, is it 50 50? Is it 80 20? Is it zero? We experience that in an emotional way, right? So the most of, of how we translate that conversation internally is by feeling something. And that's a problem uh, because that, that will start to blind us to reality. And so the reality is all these big companies were really at the right place at the right time. They are the survivors by default. And what we don't see are literally the tens of thousands of companies that, that failed, that were you know, on track to be the, you know, the market leader that just didn't. And there, there's another secret in there, which is, yes, timing is important. You know, if, if you're, if you're going to go to a huge venture capital firm like Andreessen Horowitz or Sequoia or somebody like that and raise a bunch of money, 
one of the primary things in their mind is timing. Where does that company fit in this grand scheme uh, that we call business and trends and everything else? And so as an entrepreneur, the, that means the first thing you've got to consider it is what is the trend? Like what are what timing are you taking advantage of? And what external, meaning outside of your company, outside of your marketing, outside of you know uh, an effort put into things, what is going to drive you forward? Um, and so you you can you can gain some perspective on the clock, which means you're you know you're not so much thinking I've got to go fast 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 all the time, by realizing that timing is important. Number one, you've got to fit into some kind of trend, but then really the scope of your success meeting: Are you going to be, you know, a company that basically is a job, right? It gives you a great living, you know, in effect a great salary, uh, or are you so, are you building something that's going to provide you with more wealth, like let's say millions of dollars after you've paid your bills. Or is it something that's going to be, you know, generational where you're talking about 30 million, 40 million, you know, like cash, cash money, not paper money, uh, but massing, you know, a big wad of cash. You've got to realize that the, the catalyst to that size is not your effort. It's not how smart you are. It's not your team. It's the trend. And that's why when you talk to a venture capital company about, you know, getting a big wad of, of cash dumped on you, they don't care about anything else but the timing. And so again, these these sound like they're they're subtle secrets, but it you know it, it plays into our mindset and our mentality and how how we approach things, right? So if you're readying for your sales day, and you're thinking, man, I've got to close accounts, I've got to close these, these accounts really quick, you're you're going to be more rushed. Right? You're you're going to be you're going to be less prone to listen to your prospect because in your mind, you're like the opportunity is so big. Everybody should see this, or worse, Tom. We've, you've, I'm sure you've heard it a million times. Either, oh, everybody needs this, or this product sells itself. Generally, when I hear both of those come out of the same person's mouth, I walk away very quickly because I know I've got a fanatic on my hands, and you just like you can't talk to fanatics. Like they, they just have their mindset. So, all of these larger concepts really do back into our day to day lives as entrepreneur. Um, and as a hedge fund trader, like these are all the things that, that we, we would talk about and, and we would know about, but it's very rarely translated into the regular business world. Yeah. Well, I think you touched on two things there that I wanted to go a little deeper on. One is you mentioned you were working with a lady who's a startup and then you mentioned timing. And so, you know, one of the things I was thinking about and wondering about before I got on this interview with you was like, okay, well, you know, all this stuff that's going on in the world right now, like, there's probably a lot of people out there that had a great business idea or like they were going to start a business and now all this stuff happens and they're like, uh, everything's on hold, right? Like, I'm just going to wait this out. So my question to you would be, do you think now is a good time to start a business? And if so, like, what would, like, what would you be looking at in terms of that, of getting it off, getting it off the ground? Well, it's a, we can, I can give you like 90 answers for that question. So let me let me put it into some into some context. Right. So let's say uh, you know you're talking about a restaurant. Obviously, restaurants are under some pressure, uh, and I'm and I'm being more than diplomatic. That might even sound stupid to somebody who's got a restaurant. Um, but here's why I say under some pressure. Um, let's say you don't have to go so far as to, you know give the give the governor a finger or whatever and say you know that crap's unconstitutional. Let's not even get into that. Let's say you're, you're talking about how do you operate under the new rules? Well, some of that is, um, we'll call it ingenuity, right? So 
it, it could be, you know, figuring out in a five to 10 mile radius, what are all the birthdays that are going on and sending out a postcard or let's face it, if your life is on the line, my first question is, why are you not cold calling people? If you're a restaurant owner, why are you not going door to door and dropping stuff off at people's homes or, you know, you know, make sure it's cleaned and sanitized or whatever and dropping stuff on people's homes. It's like part of it goes into uh, my rambling introduction, which is summed up in mentality, right? So we've got skin in the game as entrepreneurs, but when we have the perception that something has pulled the rug out from under us, that even that phrase means we feel like something out of our control has happened and we're powerless to do anything about it. Because what's built into that, that, that saying, the rug pulled out from under us is you fall down on your butt, right? Well, I look at that and say, okay, well, why can't I do, you know, the Jackie Chan thing and like, what's I land on my feet? Like, why do I have to land on my butt? But that what's in that, just like you said with the, the uh, sleight of hand when you did your first trick, we lose our minds sometimes when we've got skin in the game and you get this black swan event that comes into our life, which everyone has to agree. COVID was a black swan. I mean, except for the few crazies that are out there saying that, you know, it was this big plot. Okay, I get, they don't think that. But to me, it's like, that's a black swan, dude. Um, the, the key thing is to remember, number one, you are going to shut down. So give yourself some space for that. If you add beating yourself up because you shut down, you're just making things like mercilessly hard on yourself. So take a step back. Yes, you're gonna shut down anytime you're under stress. Um, you know, so in special operations, I did train uh, operators with hand-to-hand -hand combat and stuff. And so it's well known when you're under that like extreme pressure, you go to your, basically your lowest level of training and nobody was trained for this. So again, I'm, I'm giving lo people lots of reasons to cut themselves some bloody slack because that's not what I hear online. Like I hear all kinds of people talking about how they would should have done this or could have done that. Um, you know, again, because we have so much coming into us on these social media platforms, you can find like three people that are at least saying that nothing happened to them. Once you're done cutting yourself some slack, then, you know, if you're in like a restaurant business that truly is uh, being hammered on by local governments, that's when you've got to get creative. So I've been blessed with the ability to look outside of my field, right? So that the best way to figure out what to do is to go to other businesses and see what they have done to get customers in the door. That'd be number one. But the number two, um, this is a lesson I learned. Uh, I tell this story quite a bit uh, as a really young kid, which, which is find the buyers first. So let me wrap this up because you asked some specific questions. If you're going to start a business now, Number one, you got to understand that there are some new rules to the game and you've got to decide ahead of time. Are you going to take on the local authorities and say, you know, up yours, you know, unconstitutional, blah, blah, blah. Or are you going to try and work within it? You got to make that decision up front. Uh, so in, in that general sense, well, you can make any business work in that way. We could, you know, go through an exercise and do back in the napkin math and actually figure out, you know, based on what you're thinking you have, you're, you're going to need to do. Uh, to figure out how much profit margin you're going to have. Well, now what we're really getting into is the core of the discussion around business is usually related to wealth. Right? So most of the time when people say, hey, is now a good time to start a business? What they're really saying on some level is, hey, can I get rich if I start a business now? And it's like, well, you can, but it's going to take a path that you're not expecting. 
yeah, I mean, if you were in telemedicine or something like that, you probably could get wealthy just with that thing. Uh, but you know, now a year in, there's a ton of competition and it's, you know, the trend is a little bit different. So yes, you could start a business now, but I would say at first it's going to be more about you figuring out how do you bootstrap, keep your costs down to a minimum. You're not buying a new car. You maybe even are selling your car and buying an old beat up car, you know, that you can get for cash. So you don't have a payment and looking at your lifestyle, literally driving your personal costs down as low as possible. Now, I, I know this is going to sound unbelievable. I have, I mean, I've raised a family of five on less than $60,000. Even when I was making a ton of money, we just did not spend a lot. Now, that has more to do with, uh, you know, most of my money in, in a social capital way goes back out into the community. So I can say it's possible, but you're probably going to be getting rid of some phones. You're probably going to have to tell your kids, hey, nope, you don't get a cell phone or it's only Wi-Fi. You know what I mean? It's like you have to reset your brain back to the people that I grew up reading about, the Carnegie's, the Rockefellers. You literally came, Carnegie came over to this country with less than nothing. His, his, his family was ruined over in Scotland and they came over beg, borrowing and stealing to get here, literally. Uh, most people would say fo they would focus on the stealing because they, they would say, they would claim he did a lot of that. But the mentality was um, less about getting rich there in the moment. It was more, how do I work hard? And so then, you know, you're, if you start a business now, go find the buyers, right? So focus on them first. Then focus on, is there a product that's similar to mine? And you may have to enlist some friends, right? Because if you fall into the trap where it's like, oh, I've got this unique product, uh, go ask some people first. You know, go find out from other folks who don't know you, hopefully, uh, whether or not it's truly unique. You know, if, if, if you need to have a couple of beers, loosen up, you know, and go have some conversations. Um, you know, then as that company is growing and scaling, just keep in, your, in the back of your mind that you may need to pivot to something completely different from what you're doing at the moment. And so long-winded answer of saying, well, yeah, you can start up any business now. But what I'm hinting at is that not that we have to, you know, pull out our, our philosophy hats and contemplate our navels for 100 years, but we've also got to understand what are we really after? Because I find is when I dig and dig even just a little bit to what people are really talking about, what they have in mind is more like a, the end of a 15-year journey, man. It's like they're picturing, uh, what was that, that show? Lifestyle of the Rich and Famous, you know, uh, Robin Leach, you know, something like that. Or they're looking at, you know, somebody that they see on their Instagram feed, uh, which if they, you know, they got to be careful because a lot of that's fake. But they're looking at some external thing and saying this business is going to fill that external thing. So at the root of it, uh, and if any message that comes in as like a, a unifying secret that I'm talking about, your mindset as an entrepreneur, your belief set as an entrepreneur is going to be far more impactful than you know, the latest Facebook trick or Instagram hack or, or, any, or all the 90 million copywriting tricks that I could teach somebody. And for, for the very simple reasons that Taleb talks about, like we, we, we can get blinders on the second we believe something. So if your belief going into it is I've got this product or this business that everybody's going to need, your brain is designed to start filtering the information that comes to you. So as an entrepreneur, grounding yourself back into what's really going on, really getting a handle on what you want and how long that's going to take opens up far more possibility than focusing on one or two or three tactics. 
Yeah, man, I think that's such, I mean, that's such a great insight and such a great point on that as well. This episode of What's the Secret Podcast is sponsored by Offline Sharks. Offline Sharks, where website designers, social media experts, SEO professionals can get custom software tools and training on how to quickly scale and grow their digital agencies. If you're looking to build reoccurring revenue into your agency and go from one to two clients to six figures and beyond, Offline Sharks is the place to do it. So head over to offlinesharks.com forward slash Tom and start growing your agency today. You know, you mentioned in there pivoting and, uh, you know, when, cause I know just from my experience starting a business and it's not exactly the same business that I have today. Like it's went, it's worked off in a lot of different ways. So what kind of, you know, what kind of trends and things, what types of pivot stuff do you see for people that maybe have existing businesses right now? Maybe they're, you know, they're just trying to get a read on like, where is this all going and what should I be focusing on, you know, to, to kind of stay ahead of that curb or to, uh, to catch one of those trends as we move forward? It all starts with the customer. I mean, it, every time I've gone into a company and uh, for, for a good number of years after I exited my e-com company, um, I worked with other businesses and I was usually brought in to solve something that was wrong. Um, yeah, so I, I got, I got a front, front row seat to uh, a, a lot of uh, train wrecks. I'll put, it, I'll put it that way. Uh, both personal and, and otherwise, most of the time I found it was personal. Um, so, you know, it, it's funny, my brain went, my brain went in, in a totally different direction. So ask me the question again, because I don't, I don't want to go there. So <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm trying to be conscious of the time. So I'm looking at the yeah, clock. I'm yeah, like, oh, no, crap, no, that's, no a, that's like, a 15 minute answer. Yeah. Well, so what if somebody is like, they're trying to get a handle on the trends and where things are going from this point, right? Like maybe they've started to pivot that, you know, um, like what do you kind of see is headed, uh, this way for the entrepreneurs that are out there right now that are running maybe existing businesses? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll, so I'll go in a very practical direction. And well, first of all, I think the, this big shift we've seen to e-commerce is going to change. You know, I know people are mumbling about, uh, the new normal and whatnot, but I don't know. I, I'm going to have to see that play out. I know maybe that's what some people want, but my guess is, that you know, humans being social creatures, we're going to be pushing back out into the world. And I think we're underestimating people's ability to get comfortable with like really crazy environments. I mean, all you have to do is study, you know, things like the, uh, you know, the, the UK getting bombed in World War II or, you know, like, like really crazy environments to see that after a while, people have an amazing ability to adapt. So I think we're going to see that the, this mad rush to the internet is going to die off. Uh, and I don't think it's going to die off slowly. I think what we're going to be shocked by is just how fast it happens. And so a byproduct of that, like you see um, all kinds of, of YouTube channels, like if you if you look at their, their numbers, you can see it goes from say 50 or 60,000 views to like a million. And you know, everybody wants to talk about, oh, I've got the, the YouTube secrets and you know, channels that have seen that growth, they were actually in the business of talking about YouTube secrets, like the trumpet that 
their secrets are really great. Well, me being the practical, I look at that way and I want to say, well, hey, guy, how about it's that everybody is literally at home. Nobody is at school. It's like, give me a freaking break. I mean, you're yeah, get off your high horse. So that that trend is definitely going to change. I won't be such a prognosticator that I try and pin it down. And so if somebody out there is relying on that, right, if you've got a crap ton of traffic that's coming through now, you had better be bolstering yourself for when that shifts. Another weird thing about Facebook in particular is everybody forgets that Facebook was literally over capacity for advertisers. They didn't like that fact getting out. So it wasn't like it was in the mainstream media, but everybody I know had, has been talking about that for years, right? What does that mean? Well, it means your cost to advertise on a platform go up for no other reason than Facebook are a bunch of greedy bastards. They're a public company. They want more of your money. I mean, it's just as simple as that. Well, what happens then when people aren't at school? They're not at work. Well, they just simply have more hours in the day where they can you know, numb their brains looking at Facebook, which means they've got more bloody inventory to sell you. So costs are by, nat by you know, natural forces going to go down a little bit. Uh, you're also going to have this feeling like your campaigns are getting more reach because those reach metrics are going to increase. What happens if those go down? What happens when your customer now is back to being distracted because they're back at school, they're back at work, you know, they're in their car commuting, all of that? Because uh, I don't think we're going to get this big push out of the office. Frankly, it's very difficult. I've grown a, a huge company virtual, and I can tell you, uh, you know, it was with like Chairman Mao-like oversight and diabolical little reward mechanisms. I mean, look, when people are at home, they want to watch Netflix. And if you think otherwise as, as an employer, you are on crack, baby. It's like people, me included, will do the least amount possible. So, there, you know, there's a reason why companies like Amazon and Google and Apple have a notorious reputation for just being meat grinders. Because you know, they're, they know they're competing at a very high level. You don't get there singing Kumbaya and saying, well, everybody gets the same you know, salary and, and share a stock. It just doesn't work that way. So all of those things I think are going to shift. My gut is telling me that the shift is going to be bigger than normal. So continuing the Nicholas Taleb theme of this, I don't know why. It's that you've, you as the entrepreneur are required. I'm putting the requirement on you for whatever that's worth since your money is in, on the on the line to think about what happens if your traffic goes down by 90%, not 10%. Stop thinking in these really, you know, easy to, to stomach terms. What happens if your traffic disappears? What happens if those channels that you're targeting all of a sudden become zero interesting because everybody goes back to the old stuff that they were looking at, back to their old habits that they were pre-COVID? That's a much different equation. And so it's those kinds of things that, you know, once they do change, people are, oh, how could we know? Well, mark your calendars. Here's a dude who's telling you, you can know, you should know, and you should be planning for it. Because if you plan for like a big shock, like if, you're, if your traffic drops by 90, 95, 98%, and what that does for your business, then you have contingency plans. Well, if it drops by 5%, then who cares? It's not like the time was wasted. Here's why. And, and Tele the, like the message of Taleb's books are this. If you play Russian roulette, which means you're, you're playing a game where your odds of death at, at some point go up to 100, right? So that would literally be Russian roulette. It would be, you know, attempting to sprint across the freeway, uh, you know, in California or something like that. Or you could even say skydiving, right? So if you play those games long enough, then your odds of death go up to 100. 
Now, we don't like that as human beings, right? We, we like to think more optimistically, which goes back to what I said earlier. We, we think about future probability emotionally. And when you get some crazy guy like me that says, hey, watch out, you know, the chicken little syndrome, the sky may be falling. Our emotional reaction to that is to back away. I'm like, nope, I don't want to deal with that. Goes right, this plays right into mindset, all the stuff that I was talking about, where you can come away from this conversation that you're listening to right in this moment and literally forget about it. And I mean, seconds later, why is that? That demonstrates the power of our brains to filter out information that we don't believe in. Right? So if somebody believes with all their heart that their traffic is going to continue, that this move to e-commerce is going to continue, my words will fade away just like uh, you know, Solomon talked about in Ecclesiastes, like the, the puff of smoke in the wintertime. You, know, you can breathe and it looks like, oh, wow, that looks exactly like the clouds that are up there that cause rain, but it just disappears and it's gone. So that's why it makes things so difficult when we're entrepreneurs and we're really strong believers in what we're doing. But I, if I'm going to pound the table about anything trend-wise, it's that that we're in for a shock in terms of uh, internet traffic, for sure. Yeah, it's so great to hear you say that because I was telling people at the beginning of all this, I was like, hey, this could have been an event like, cause everybody was trumpeting how smart the people were that were making money online, right? Like they were all out there like, oh, look how right. smart I am because <laughs> I have this business. And I was like, it could have just as easily been something that took out the internet. And then all those brick and mortar people would have been the smartest people in the That's world. That's exactly right. right. Like, like it could have just as easily went that way. I didn't see yeah. the, the correlation there. So it's great to hear you say that. Uh, one, la one last question. So actually two. So one is, is there something I should have asked you about that I did not? We're trying to keep this to a half hour show, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to keep it quick. <laughs> um, yeah, it would probably be about, about selling and copywriting. You know, so it, what, what is the secret um, when it comes to, to sales and copywriting? And uh, the this, this simple answer that we have in our time left is you've got to start with a conversation a live conversation, preferably in person with another human being. Uh, I've studied under all of the, what you would call the copywriting grace, John Carlton, Gary Bensavenga, uh, Gary Halbert when he was alive. And um, Gary by far was the one who hammered this into my head the most. He's Maceo, you have got to talk to real people. So yeah, I mean, you can, you can write sales copy in a vacuum. You can develop a sales pitch in a vacuum. But until you actually bounce it off of another person, you're, you're wasting your time and your money. And so much of what uh, digital entrepreneurs do, um, you know, if you'll pardon the phrase, it's just mental masturbation. You, know, you get guys, guys and gals sitting around in a room talking about how they're going to sell something. And you have like four or five meetings that are hours long when you could have had five or six sales conversations and, and cut out probably three quarters of that conversation is utterly stupid, not because you knew it, but because you're like, well, wait a minute, that's not actually what human beings care about. And so that, if anything else, is ditch, ditch the digital, get in touch with a human being, and, I, and definitely not over text. You know, at the worst, it's going to be on a phone call, but best, it's going to be face-to-face. -face. Yeah, that's, that's awesome advice. And where can listeners go to find out more about you and, and get more of your insights on stuff? Well, insights, that, thank you, that's a compliment. Hopefully they are, <laughs> not insane ramblings. 
Um, okay, so MaseoJordan.com. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. If you want to get hold of me personally, that's the place to go. Uh, I've got two huge projects I'm working on. We're bringing hospital quality healthcare into the home. That's a company called Connexia. And I've got another project with some equally crazy guys where we're canceling Hollywood over at Laura.tv. Awesome. Well, I will put links to all that for anyone listening in the show notes on the episode of this page. So you can go there and check that out. Maceo, man, it was really awesome to have you on the show. I enjoyed this conversation immensely. And uh, I hope listeners did as well. In fact, if you did enjoy this, head over to wherever you listen to this podcast and leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks again for being on What's the Secret, Maceo. Everybody stay safe out there. Aloha, and I'll see you on the next episode. Once again, thank you so much for carving out the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. If you found it helpful, then please share it with someone else. Just simply share the link or post it on Facebook and say, check this out. Really make my day if you did that. Also, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already so every podcast gets sent straight to you and you don't have to go searching for it. Again, my name's Tom Gaddis, and I'll see you next week on What's the Secret Podcast. Aloha for now, everyone.